0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Caught Offside with Andrew Gundling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from just outside of New York City, from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gundling, J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother?
1: I'm so excited for this podcast. I just want to open with two shocking things that the interweb has brought us. One, you texted to me, so I want to begin with that. Uh, I I mean, what you texted me has been a running joke between me and one of my friends, Ryan, for forever, Um, but you saw it on ESPN, and, and you had never thought about it before, and now your mind is blown.
2: Yeah, uh, ESPN FC has a a cool thing up on their website where they're basically they're they're relitigating huge moments in the history of the sport as and pretending that VAR existed then and how it would change history. And mm. one of the ones they have there is the U.S. Women's National Team 1999 World Cup Final at the Rose Bowl against China, and it's a still shot of Brianna Scurry. I don't know three yards off her line like I think you're being kind and so and like it's so I've always known like I've heard about that being a thing and I've seen the highlight obviously a million times but I've never I don't know I've never stopped to like really examine as obvious as it was I've never stopped to really examine just how egregious it was and in looking at the picture of how far off her line she is it's 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 scandalous it's ridiculous <laughs> i mean the the i i almost can't believe it that that like it's i don't know i feel like this should have been something that i was more aware of that i kind of have let slide and i i don't know i kind of kind of feel for china a little bit
1: old tommy andy yeah um you've never watched that game without this star spangled banner wrapped around your eyes uh it's she's she's She's
2: halfway to the ball. It's it's honestly it's one of the worst examples I've ever seen of a keeper being off their line for a ball. <laughs> it is. It just is. I, I don't know. It's it's unbelievable. I I guess she kind of like in that moment in that building, she's kind of daring the referee, I dare you to call me for this. I dare you. You won't do it. She was right.
0: Yeah. yeah. In related I-
2: news, uh Jurgen Klopp is actually called a pref- press conference today. He's calling for the match to be replayed.
1: <laughs> I got him. Oh, Andrew, Andrew. If you were writing for SNL football version two weeks ago, that would have been so on point. I got um, him. And the other shocking thing is uh, Alexis Guerreras from um, the Cooligans. You know, you know those guys. Um, so he's tweeted out a video and it's of a kid. And I think you are in with this kid he's eating a burrito with a knife and fork but what he's done is he's cut a hole in the top of the burrito lifted it off and he's scooping out the inside with his fork and all i could think was andrew believes in this kid
2: i've never eaten a burrito like that i've used a knife and fork but i not in the not in the way that he did and I still think my usage of a knife and fork on burritos was was justified. The burritos Not- I eat are are huge and have stuff like all kinds of different sauces on them. And- whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah, they do. At the place we were in, it was a dry burrito. And 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 listen, my friend, you don't get to re- rewrite history. That was our first god <laughs> meal after the, after we we hadn't seen each other during COVID. Right? And you 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 little. Don't you try and rewrite history. You tried to shame me in front of a room full of diners. No one. By going. What
2: did I stand going, up on the, on the table and announce to the room what you were doing? No one well, even knew what was going
1: on. What are you doing, you animal, when I picked it up and, and started eating it with my hands? As you daintily edit with your knife and fork. So don't rewrite history here. I swear to God, man, that is so. You I are, think that burrito had a lot of condiments on it. It didn't. No, it didn't how dare you anyway let's get off this tell us about the podcast that's coming andrew because i am excited about it lots to
2: discuss uh sandra Tanali in the news for i mean reasons that are are no longer shocking but yet still shocking uh so we'll talk about that uh euro qualifying world cup qualifying mark ogden another uh, boy it's like we're right back at espn jj just promoting all of espn's yes. content but Mar- i no. can't help it though mark ogden has has um an article up about England that I want to get your take on because I found it interesting. Um, uh, MLS decision day is coming up this weekend. So we'll give a couple of our observations in the buildup to that. So um, really a lot, a lot to get to on this podcast. I'm looking forward to it, but JJ, we begin here in the United States of America. Uh, We wondered if there was anything the U S could do in the second game of this international break. Uh, this one against Ghana coming off of a really just kind of a discouraging defeat against the Germans we wondered is there anything they can do against Ghana that will leave us feeling good in some ways about this this window these two games now I don't know if that's the case Uh, there may maybe there's nothing they could have done that the game against Germany was the one we were always going to take most seriously however at the very least it was It was at least nice to have that game, a game for the U.S. off of off of a bad loss like that to Germany. It was nice to come right back. Short memory for this team. Didn't seem bothered by it. Smashed Ghana. Uh, It was a fun watch. At least I'll at least give it that.
1: Yeah, it was a fun watch. Uh, It was exactly what the doctor ordered. I mean, facts, as we stated last week, do not need to be repeated um and nothing in this game changes that so we don't we don't need to go on ad nauseum about the fact that this team struggles against the very elite and will will struggle we feel when it comes to playing those elite teams uh, in their current iteration we get that um but i i would revisit one thing we said in the lead up to the germany game we were worried that germany would be the disinterested party that wishes they were anywhere else My God, Ghana. Now, if this was a team that the U.S. didn't have previous with over the last 12 years, 15 years, you'd be like, oh, well, maybe this is Ghana and friendlies. This is how Ghana are maybe generally as a football nation. But we know who they are. And they looked in the mindset where they did not want to be in Nashville. They did not want to be anywhere uh, near this. It was a a thoroughly bizarre performance by Chris Hutton's team. And one that um, he will not look back on fondly.
2: No, absolutely not. Um, I mean, I I can only imagine what went on in the Ghanaian locker room at halftime of that game. I mean, that was that first half. For whatever, for whatever bad there was in the second half between USA and Germany, this was the first half of USA Ghana was the complete opposite. Was just like, I mean, honestly. I'd have to like really go back in my memory bank here of of Greg Berhalter performances within a half. I don't know how many forty five minute segments of play we've seen that were much better than what the U.S. put together in this one against Ghana.
1: Um. Yeah, I think I think Mexico at home wasn't it in Columbus. I thought that performance generally was probably the high watermark, one of the high watermarks in, in World Cup qualifying. Well, the Nations um, League semifinal against
2: Mexico, I think, was was probably that.
1: OK, um, yeah, but I don't I don't rank this in there because I, I think what I saw, there was lots and lots of just really excellent play. Definitely. But I also saw stuff from the opposition where you're like, I, I mean, they've just quit. Or they're doing completely irrational things, or they're all over the place, or they're out of position, or they're coughing up the ball so easily. I mean, it was not, um, as much as it's hard to to judge other game, other friendlies. I mean, I would put this in this category because I think I think the opposition were marked absent. I have to say that.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that. I guess there's some truth to that. I I don't. I mean, there was players. I don't know how to parse up between like in the middle of the field. It's hard to parse between like what is Ghana just not feeling like playing, and what is the U.S. doing that to them. You know what I mean? Like we're just kind of taking this away from the U.S. Oh well, like well, this doesn't well, count on. because well, Ghana wasn't didn't feel like playing. Well, no, well, we'll,
1: well, we can, we can actually do that, Andrew. Um, so you can you can look at for example. Um, like, and I'm, I don't want to jump ahead. We're going to go through the goals as we should because there was there was some really nice goals. Um uh, The but just take for example the penalty. I mean that penalty was one of the laziest pieces of defending you will ever see, and it was coming. It was coming. I don't know if you noticed. As much as Ghana weren't interested, they were very much interested in late kind of snidey tackles. Last like. Uh, Reyna skipped out of one by lifting his feet. Um, Partey, I thought, was going to absolutely ruin them. Like Ghana, if they were disinterested, they were also grumpy and, disinter- and disinterested. There were some completely reckless tackles where they were second to the ball. Um, they, I mean, at times, they were caught open. You didn't know who was playing where. Defensively, all over the map. Um, look at look at uh, Balogun's goal, even. I mean, a fully clued in international side does not do that. <laughs> they just of any of any level they don't do that well, the, the u.s threat credit to them pressed well turned the ball over very very good very very good but um and i think also that ghana carried so little threat of their own it meant that the u.s was kind of free to to go forward like Dest had a great freedom in the game i thought he was one of the outstanding performers and he had tremendous freedom um, particularly on the first goal to go forward and do whatever he wanted. Cause guess what? He ain't getting caught out on the other way. It's just not going the other way. Um, so yeah, you can, you can absolutely say that the way the opposition uh, played lent itself to, to good us play as well. But by the same token, there was, there was some nice good us play in and of itself.
2: Yeah, they were, they were great. The, I, the us were great. I, I mean, yeah, the, Let's go through the goals and kind of break them down. I mean, the, the, the first one, you know, we we will, we'll talk about Gio Reyna probably in some detail, but it was nice to see, I don't know. I felt like the, the healing can now truly begin to see him score and everyone surround him happy, high-fiving, hugging. It's like, okay, we're, we're all, we can all start to be friends again. Um, and I think it was nice for him to have the night that he had.
1: Yeah. I mean, the first goal, right place at the right time. Um, again, like I said, Dest was marauding forward. He it was great. Well, the build-up with, play was great on that With Balogun, really, really good. And typically, when the Ghanaian defender goes to clear that, of course he doesn't get it right and it pops up straight to Reyna who finished really, really well. I think the thing about Reyna is, though, um, who would have thought that the place that was so fraught with controversy and decades-old rancor and bitterness, i.e. the national team, would be his place of respite right now. You think about it, he's scoring a goal and he's playing practically the best minutes of the game. That's not what's happening in Germany. So in a weird kind of way, the catharsis, Is playing for the national team. He's, he's, um, he's Gio Reyna and he's happy to be there. Well, this is a,
2: this is a version of what I, of my new doctrine on U.S. men's national team players that we want them to be playing at big clubs or we want them to be at big clubs. We just don't want them to play because they get really, really mad
1: and then they come to the national team and they, they explode. And I mean, this is, this is a version of that. It is a version of it. But you can see what I mean, though. I mean, this is the place where he can express himself and play because he's not playing at his club site. And, and look, there was all that stuff put to the side. He certainly didn't look like a man that was burdened by by what happened, uh, by the revelations of his parents or, or all that nasty stuff that is literally only just months ago. It's not even a year since all that stuff went down. Wow. Um, so, yeah, no, it's... It, um, I don't know if healing is the right word, I think yeah I, th- I i think this is catharsis of a different nature he's happy to be on the field he's happy to be playing he's he feels he looks or or plays freely in a kind of a number 10 role um and last night against willing opposition he 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 was very very good and and he made them look uh even more poorer than they were making themselves look
2: yeah and i was glad you mentioned it too but i, I... On the last podcast, I was a little bit critical of Sergio Dest, saying that it, you know he has defensive shortcomings, but we tolerate it. Because, right? But but we tolerate it because of what he can present in attack. But if he's not really, if he's not really doing those things in attack, then what do what are you left with here? Well, on this night, he was doing a lot in attack. I mean, uh, specifically on this goal, good vision, good control, his, his communication, um, and just being on the same page with Balogun was great. I mean, it was more than a one-two; it was like a double one-two, one-two-three-four between the two of them. And then, uh, yeah. so it was—it was just very well done by him. Uh, and o- overall, on the night, I thought he was—he was really good in attack. You'll not be shocked that he released a hype uh,
1: video afterwards. I mean, he—he he does it after his worst performances. Why wouldn't he do it after his best ones? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. It just made me wonder what mundane because he—he released one after a PSV got absolutely thumped by Arsenal at the Emirates, and he did not defend well at all, but he still found a way to put a hype video together. I'm just wondering if you were to pick something, something from your daily life that you would set um really cool grime track to, uh, what would that be? Highlights of?
2: I mean, like, in, in relation to, like, what he's doing, like, the analogy? I mean, like, because sometimes no, his, no, no, no. his performances no, are not doing. always amazing, and yet right. here he is, like, finding a way. I'm going to make, I'm going to put some cool, like, black and white effects on this and i'm gonna put some like hip music underneath it like it'd be this morning jj i made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich yeah i could find a way i could i'll 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 make some effects to go along with it i'll put a cool track underneath it you know some interesting transitions as i'm going into the peanut butter and scooping out like i could find a way to make it interesting for you i mean like i love i look i love the guy and i'm i'm glad that he's on the u.s um but like that one that he did after PSV, it's so, it's just like the definition of, is tone deaf Focus. the right, yeah, like, you know, but it's funny, like, now, but he's now crossed the threshold where I now find it endearing.
1: I root for it. Um, Mine would be scooping out the cat's litter. Okay. Like, I would have a montage of that, because sometimes, like, I get all the pee, I get all the poo, and it looks so clean, and it looks so fresh, and other times, I miss, I miss bits and pieces, and it's just unruly and not not looking great. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, you you should do that the next time uh next time you have one of those.
1: I would use I would use you mean by Ghana.
2: Um should we continue through the the Pulisic penalty was the next one. I mean just an absolute penalty. It looked like Ghana at first were arguing and I you know, you always have to, sometimes with penalties you just you do have to see them a second time just to know. In real time I thought, "Oh, I think he got him." Ghana are arguing. It makes you think, "Oh, eh, I don't know. I got to see it again." You watch the replay, it's like, what, what, is, what is the argument? Like, you threw your leg out and blatantly tripped a man. Um, so yeah, good Pulisic penalty right down the middle, but not a Panenka. strong, powerful rip pen. Yeah. Um,
1: rip pen. And like I said, if, if anything was going to happen, they were going to give away a penalty. It was that one that one was in the mail. What I liked about it was that Giovanni Reina was so good in the build up to it. Um, dribbling keeping control of the ball got hacked went over and still kept his balance and got back up you know that 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 goal doesn't happen without his perseverance just there on the right hand side edge of the box um so yeah good good for good for him again
2: yeah Um the third goal easily my favorite goal of the game absolutely loved this one it just felt like uh it felt like the quintessential bear halter goal. Like if he could draw up the type of goals that he's looking for this team to produce. Like what is it he always talks about? Make, trying to make the opposition uncomfortable in dangerous positions. Like he did that. Tim Way was was on the ball in a dangerous spot, pressured it, won it with relative ease, got in a good spot, played in the ball to Balligan, who again showed same level of composure, uh, turned his man brilliantly. And finished uh from point blank range in the top corner. It was a great finish. Um, just felt like such a Bearhalter goal. Like let's make them uncomfortable, win possession, passes it to like the guy who he we've spent the last like three years recruiting. Um, like one of Bearhalter's big trophies. And uh
1: and it just it was a great goal. I I, I loved that one. It kind of reminds me of um it kind of reminds me of uh when it was Alexi Lalas that asked him that question, what what exactly is your is your style of play going to be? And if if we were making hype video, we'd play that answer that he gave to Alexi, and then we'd do black and white of that goal. Uh, but after every word, what happens? Like whatever Berhalter says, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Produced perfectly.
2: Quintessential Berhalter goal. He must have he must have been in heaven watching that one play. Uh-huh. Out. And then finally, J.J., the fourth one that put the U.S. up
1: 4-0, Gio Reyna on the indirect free kick. So nothing sums this game up like an indirect free kick being given because somebody essentially sat on the ball. Yeah. That just sums Ghana up. You never see this. And I got
2: to say right now, I'm trying to remember if we've talked about this before. I think we have. I love these. I love the indirect free kick in the box. I wish they happened more often. I'm trying to think of ways in which we could work these into the game. So bear with me for a second. I'm i I'm, I'm purely, I'm spitballing here. All right. You can shoot it down, whatever you want. How can we work in more of these? What about, so there's, we're living in a world of of constant controversy over the handball law. Nobody knows what is or isn't a handball. What if we, is there a way, JJ, that we could take a, take a cue from the NFL on this? For example, now the NFL has since changed it, but like, face mask penalties in the nfl there used to be two degrees of them there was the really egregious one which gets you the 15 yard penalty and then there's the kind of you graze the face mask it's not as egregious um that'll be the five yard variety can we is there a way to do that with the handball where you can separate them into two categories like the the really egregious ones that no one's arguing the hand is in the completely uh unnatural position it's it's an impact of the play that's a stonewall penalty but the other ones like the point blank range you know it's it's you can't tell if it is or isn't can that be can we make that an indirect free kick
1: i i think you've stumbled across something here i don't hate that at all okay i think that's a really good idea um and and it would bring that chaos that drama now again we have these are so fun yeah, they are. Um, I've just messaged you one, um, so I want you to watch it right now. As is it recording. the
2: Ronaldo one? I mean, that's one of the more famous ones. I feel like when no, you, like, this is Shearer
1: against-, against West Brom. Okay, I want I want you to watch it right now. Um, so I, I love it now, and what I loved about the US one last night was that there was there was a little bit of craft to it because you've got so little time. And what Pulisic does that really helps Reyna is that he doesn't stand on it and make Reyna run into the ball, adjust his body or do anything because that takes up time. Reyna rolls it to him and he rolls it right back. So it's straight in stride. Mm-hmm. And someone with the technique of Reyna, it's perfect. And he whips it right into the roof of the net. Beautiful. What do you think of the one I sent you there? Uh, Alan Shearer versus uh, West Brom.
2: I like I mean, it's almost the same exact spot as the, uh, as the Reyna one. Um, yeah, I like it. He smashes. I mean, he just hits the hell out of it. I'm going to hit this ball as hard as I can from six yards out. And it, it's going to go through people. And this is the only way I know how to I make think sure it, that happens.
1: I think it can create chaos. So I'm, I'm all for you bringing this to IFAB, uh, Mr. David Ellery. I want you to present it to him.
2: Okay. I would love the animal suggestions too. The animals are smarter than us. Uh, how can we work in more indirect free kicks to the sport? Cause they're fun. The dramatic.
1: I'm all for like, it. I think what you have to do, and the hard thing is to redefine like make penalties, make infractions in the box, grade the infraction. So the an infraction inside the box is, is automatically a penalty now. So what we need to do is to uh is to somehow grade the infraction. That's the part I don't like. Oh, yeah.
2: Imagine imagine the amount of controversy over over parsing through
1: the degree of foul. Yeah, crazy. Like a dangly leg foul. That's an indirect free kick. It's 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 why my handball penalty.
2: It's why my handball idea won't work
1: because it's not it's not usually
2: as clear cut as what I'm hoping that it would be for for purposes of this
1: all right okay we don't take it to the dragons we're not bringing it to shark tank forget about it
2: that's why i'm enlisting the animals to help like i said they're okay. smarter than us they'll they'll have better ideas because i just they're just fun watching an indirect kick play out um i don't have too much more on the game itself i have no ta- i have a takeaway sort of from this game that i want to run by you um so kyle bonagura again of espn um
1: god why don't you just go back and work for them
2: uh well they well, that happen, might happen, actually. They happen to have a few things up that I found interesting, um, and in this case, it was something that I was already thinking about. That I then saw his article that kind of, in some ways, confirmed some of my thoughts on it. Um, you know, we talked the other day, JJ, about the U.S. and how, even in their most successful periods under Bearhalter, the one flaw with them that is always pervaded is that they just don't score many goals. You know, they, they have a, in qualifying a lot of one nils, a lot of narrow victories. Um, That's sort of been one of their things. And so Kyle kind of puts this idea out there of like, well, maybe something needs to be done to try to remedy that. And maybe that thing is Gio Reyna. And what I mean by that is we've never really quite known how best to use him. Who do we take out of the 11? Where should he play? You know, oftentimes he's out on a wing, but in this game he was really in a number ten. I mean, he was kind of playing right in behind Balogun, and he was a, a, one of the focal points of a lot of what they were creating in attack, and he was brilliant at it. I mean, it, it looked like a position that really well really suited him. So the U.S. are, you know, Germany aside, the U.S. have been pretty stout defensively, at least in Concacaf. They're, they don't con- they don't score a ton of goals, but they don't they hardly concede any. Maybe we're okay there. Maybe it's time for the U.S. to take a little bit of a step in a new direction and risk a little bit of that defensive stability to try to improve an area that they've struggled in and that is attack and so jj i guess the question that i'm driving at here is it just this automatic given that when the 11 comes out for these for every u.s game no matter what mckinney musa and adams are the midfield like does it Am I crazy for suggesting that maybe that should not always just be the way that it is, an accepted fact that they are the midfield? If right. Gio Reyna, if we're not scoring a lot of goals, and when Gio Reyna comes in and is playing a number ten role, it looks like we're a different team in attack than we are without that. Then maybe some difficult decisions have to get made. Not every game, but sometimes, yeah.
1: So change, change from four three three then, maybe. Or I'm kind of, uh, or leave that three in midfield and change that front three.
2: Like, I'm trying to think about a if,
1: if you were to do a four, two, three, one,
2: um, right? Like a double pivot of, um, Musa and Adams, then your three kind of going across the middle, Polisic, Reyna, Weah, Balligan okay. up front. Okay. And McKinney, the, McKinney in this situation, in this Cases the odd man out, but sometimes he would be maybe you know you go back to that. For I'm not saying it has to be every single game that we do this, but I'm just saying that the U.S. like do we need to think outside the box a little bit? If the U.S. aren't scoring goals, if that's been one of their problems over the last few seasons, even in in games where they do win, you'd like to see them be a little bit more efficient, a little more dangerous in attack. Like we got to start thinking of ways to make that happen. Can't, it, and running the same lineup out there over and over again maybe ain't it? And you just saw what Reina did. Uh, people aren't going to like this because what you said earlier we can't make big decisions off of a game where one of the opponents looked like they weren't interested in playing but yeah. i'm just but but the fact remains the us don't score a ton of goals so we got to start thinking
1: of maybe some new ideas i don't i don't mind that at all and i do think that the manager needs to do that they, like we can't be a one trick pony and and we've seen times in the past where the 433 hasn't worked and and yeah and we need better cohesiveness up front and Reyna brings that. So I'm on board with what you're saying there, Andrew. How we do that, I'm and who loses out is, is the question. Yeah. The, the after who watching lo- the after watching the last few games, I'm I'm okay to let McKinney uh sit, change the formation and get Reina is in as a, a kind of a number 10.
2: The who loses out is the hard part. Cause I don't know that any of these guys are deserving of losing their place. But it also it almost just comes down JJ to like a process of elimination. Like you're not it's not Polisic. I mean, people people can say Tim Wea, but what is that based on? Like, he's excellent when he puts on the US jersey. He just is. He's never done anything that would cause me to say he should be yanked. You know, it's obviously, you know, you're not gonna it's not Balogun, or if it is, it wouldn't be for Raina, it would be for Ricardo Pepe, but Balogun's the number like it wouldn't be him. Obviously, it's no none of the back four. So you, it can only be Adams Musa or McKinney? It's not going to be Adams. We talk all the time about how he's arguably the most important player on the team. So it's it can only be one of two guys then. It can only be McKinney or Musa. Take your pick. I mean, for purposes of the exercise tonight, I said McKinney. Um maybe some people would say Musa, but I think I kind of like him in that position next to Adams. I think that'd be pretty stout. Still in front of, like, if you're worried about what you're giving up defensively in doing this, I think putting those two guys as a shield to the back line would, would solve some of those problems. Uh, I don't
1: know, I think it could work. Bear, bear halter, galaxy brain, drop a balligan. play Reyna as a false nine. false nine. Yeah,
2: interesting, very interesting.
1: Make it happen, you coward.
2: <laughs> um, do you have any more on this?
1: No, I'm done.
2: Okay. Uh, before we leave the U.S., there's a couple other things, kind of tangential to this. Um, so the next international break, the next time we'll see the U.S. in action, will be in mid-November. Oh, m- a month, mid-November. About a month. From Mid-November. Now. November. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Against uh, against Johnny. Against is it Trinidad Johnny Trinidad and Tobago. Black. <laughs> the sky is falling in. It's. It's October 2017 again. We're not going to Russia, mother.
2: (laughs) If you are someone prone to TNT PTSD, um, then I worry for you because the the U.S. are playing Trinidad and Tobago in 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 an important set of fixtures. So it's CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinal. But more than that, it's also the winner of this Of these two legs, which are going to be November 16th in Austin, uh, the first leg, and then the second leg, November 20th in Trinidad, um, it's not just the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Nations League. It's also the winner automatically qualifies for Copa America. For everyone out there, we haven't really talked about the qualification process for Copa America. I think a lot of Americans have kind of been under the um, misconception that we're in. We're not yet. We still do have to qualify for this thing. Uh, I assume we will. We've seen Trinidad recently, and they were a disaster. Um, So the U.S. should be able to handle them no problem. But I just know that, ourselves included, sometimes you just – you see the U.S. next to Trinidad and Tobago in an an important match, and you just get those feelings again. You get nervous again. Um, So – and and I should say, too, even if by some crazy chance the U.S. does not manage to beat Trinidad and Tobago over those two legs, there is still another way in. They'll just go into a one-game playoff with um, another one of the quarterfinal losers. But I'm going to think happy thoughts. I'm going to think the U.S. will be all right here and that they'll qualify. They're going to – they have
1: to. God, Andrew. They, I Jesus. mean, what are we even
2: – what am I even doing? This is only because they're playing Trinidad that I'm even bringing this up as a thing. Um so yeah, so if you're looking for the meaning of of those upcoming matches, there's a lot of meaning to it because Copa America look, it's not the World Cup, but the US not qualifying for it with that tournament being here would be at almost as disastrous. Almost as terrible. Maybe I can't,
1: I can't fathom it. Jeez. They have
2: to yeah, they simply have to be in that tournament and they will be. They're going to win. They're going to win. Um finally, w- one other note, JJ. Um bit of news, maybe not entirely shocking, but still Caused uh caused probably a lot of people's soccer group texts to flare up the other day when Toronto FC's Michael Bradley announced his retirement. Uh this weekend will be it when he plays for Toronto mm. FC. He's gonna call it a career. It is I mean, we lived it on this podcast because we were we were not Michael Bradley's stands. I, I would say we were our treatment of Michael Bradley. Am I accurate in saying, J.J., that our treatment of Michael Bradley was similar probably to our treatment of Greg Berhalter? We were not obsessed with him. We did not hate him. We judged the performances off of each individual one and what we thought of them. Yes. In the minds of many, because Michael Bradley became a symbol of, I guess, what happened in that night in Cuvo. Although I think that there were a lot of negative feelings about him even before that.
1: Way um, before that.
2: Yeah. But so I think through that, we became... I think people thought we were voices of, of Bradley sympathy, uh, Bradley propaganda. Um, I never felt that way myself, but, um, I think that his, I think his career in the end leaves behind a fascinating legacy because I don't care what anyone says. He was a great, not a good U S men's national team player. He was a great one with a lot of hugely important moments for this team in in world cups in qualifying um and was he a perfect player he was not were there moments i i think a lot of u.s fans were probably frustrated by the fact that maybe they felt he left europe prematurely that he should have stayed and continued to to challenge himself in europe he didn't do that i think that that probably clouded the way that many viewed him and it was hard for him to ever work his way back into people's good graces and um uh, a weird legacy a weird legacy because he'll be debated forever in terms of just how good of a player he was.
1: Um, I think he had one of the great, uh, us careers. I, I don't think there's really any, any argument, uh, 151 oh, caps well, for the United States. I got news for you. <laughs> I, yeah, but we can only give our opinions as we did at the time. um, and and prior to 2014, when yeah, I mean, we said it on this on this podcast. We felt he came home too soon. By the way, he's only 36 now, which, considering the longevity some soccer players can have, is it's not that old. I know, but it's um, a 20 year career. I mean, the I mileage mean, he,
2: on him is is
1: crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, Veen in the Air Eredivisie, uh, you know, mainstay there, mainstay at Borussia Mönchengladbach, had a, that brief period at Villa. Um, but Kievo um, and Roma. So I, I, I when he played, um, we always, he played in an era where we were obsessed. And I'm not sure that obsession has ever fully gone away. Why can't our best players keep the ball and pass the ball? And he could. He genuinely could. Now, whether he went to play, for the u.s and it was harder for his teammates to keep the ball um i definitely think that that was that was part of it but um i haven't watched the game back since so this may not stand up to what my memory was but i remember watching him in a midfield an english midfield against steven gerrard and fabio capello's england and him being comfortably the best midfielder on the the field for that game, the 1-1 draw in the opening group game of the 2010 World Cup. He was a better player than people give him credit for. I understand the frustrations with him because he was not, he was in his own way limited, but I thought he was a very good, very good footballer and one of the great European football careers that a US player has had, something that we craved. If you want to put the, the caveat to that, that he probably came home a little bit too soon. But yeah. um, but I I think we have to be. I genuinely think we have to be fair to the guy. Uh, he, he was an excellent footballer. Now he coincides one of the worst period, and he he of 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 the national team, his his stock plummeted. As did the US national team stock. Older players in that squad were. Targeted as needed, they needed to be moved on. They, you know, we needed to get this this slew of young players in Europe in and 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 brush the old away. And and I get that. And he was a victim of that. He featured in our remember our Lightning Rods podcast we did on ESPN, mm-hmm. um, where we just said there's these guys and they just they just attract the thunderbolt. And uh, he was definitely one of them. But I still think he had one of the great one of the great U.S. soccer careers.
2: Yeah. I mean, unfortunately for him, it, it, it did, it came crashing down, um, really hard because he was maybe more than almost anyone. He was just very symbolic of the old guard. Um, you know, when people talked about there needed to be like a freshening up, I mean, he was, he was the face that everyone applied to that statement. Um, now he came, he came to MLS and, and at Toronto FC, who have been one of the best clubs of this era, he was i mean him and javinko are the you know the the two best players of that era for that club yeah um he was hugely important for all of their for all of their successes a massive part of it um so yeah but there but there were detractors out there and look he had his moments i know people won't forgive him for uh portugal in the 2014 world cup when what was it the the ball at the end that if he people felt if he had just cleared it I'm trying to remember exactly if he had just like, you know, smashed it or, or taken it down, um, to run clock. That would have been it. Instead. It gave Portugal, he gave Portugal one last chance, but he also had big moments too. His goal against Slovenia, um, was, you know, obviously enormous, Uh, his legendary goal against Mexico at, uh, in the Azteca, um, from almost the halfway line legendary. Uh, so he's, yeah, I mean, He'll forever be, like you said, a lightning rod. But uh, I think he was, I think we understand that he was,
1: he was a really, really good player. I think in the fullness of time, his, his, uh, his legacy will look a a lot different. And and it feels, it
2: feels now, JJ, that it's, it's he's going to coach now, right? Like it's, it feels like it's just, the guy was already like a coach on the field. It felt like he obviously, you feel that. Yeah. I'll, I'll bet you right now within the next, Within the next five years, he's coaching somewhere.
1: I don't think he will be. Uh, I don't think so. I think you're wrong. I think he's seen too much. What is genuinely? That? Why? Why? I mean, remember when Toronto won the the championship in 2017? It wasn't in 2017 where they won it, and he was captain, and it was right after the mess in in. In Trinidad. And he, um, yeah, it was 2017. So it was only like weeks, a matter of weeks later, he's hoisting MLS Cup and he was asked about his treatment and, and the things that had been said afterwards. And he just looked like a man that was like, I know he just won a trophy, but he seemed shattered i don't think that's i don't, I don't know think
2: if i you... quite remember that but why so you're saying that that would prevent him from
1: wanting to coach i think that whole experience well coach i didn't, I didn't say beef... i didn't
2: say coach the national team just coach No.
1: yeah coach anywhere he's going to want to coach at a high level and i think um uh it's it's so transient the abuse you get he's traveled all his career really like he's like I said, the Metro stars, by the way, he must be the last active Metro star. He's got to be.
2: Huh? I, I think, I think the abuse thing, I think he's, he's dealt with it. Like he, he has been through it. It probably isn't going to get more difficult than what it was for him in that moment. And he made it through. He's, he's you still it? here. He still had a, what I, what, what I coach. Would, yeah. If I were him. Yeah, yeah. I think he has a. He he comes certainly from a coaching pedigree. He's a smart player. Um, he's had a successful career. He, uh, yeah. I, I think that. Yeah, I think it's. I'm. T- it's going to happen. He's gonna. It's get ready for it. Okay. So Michael Bradley, congratulations on uh, on a great career, regardless of what the uh,
1: the detractors say. Well done. Now go away. Because we can't forgive you.
2: Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, still a bunch of things we want to get to. Like we said, Tenali. There's some stuff with England. Neymar. Good Lord. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I could do an hour on Neymar alone. Unbelievable. We'll go ahead. We'll take a break. Still a lot to do here on Caught Offside. Don't go anywhere.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...
2: Oh, back now on caught offside, JJ. Let's go right into it. So, uh, a few days ago, there was news of a few of England or a few of um, Italy's players in the lead up to the England game that were yanked out of camp, and uh, it was odd. There wasn't a whole lot of information released other than the players' names, but there wasn't a ton of information released as to why. We just knew that something something was afoot that there was an investigation that was occurring, but wasn't entirely clear what it was into. Well, it became very clear today. And one of those players, of course, is Newcastle's brand new 55 million pounds signing, Sandro Tonali, who now faces a massive suspension for betting, but not just betting, for betting on his own club, AC Milan, while he was a member of the team. This is... I mean, this is not a first. We've kind of just seen this with Ivan Tony, um, but I mean, now it's it's magnified a little bit. A because of the the fact that Tenali was just sold to Newcastle a couple months ago for a huge price tag. You know, B they're a Champions League club uh, with with huge aspirations in that competition in the Premier League, and he was supposed to be a key part of it, and. You know, what's more, Italy as well, who are battling for a spot to try to qualify for the European Championships next summer. Uh, and now, what are we thinking? A year suspension? Done with Newcastle for this season. Although he is still, until all of this gets sorted and made official, he is still, Eddie Howe says, um, going to play for them. Um, but, you know, Italy, and if they qualify for the Euros next summer,
1: forget it, out. This is... This
2: is huge. This is a big deal.
1: I mean, it really is. And I, I feel like split on it. Um, I saw Michael Cali tweet. Um, the most salient point when you well, what feels like the most salient point when you when you first hear these stories about even about Ivan Tony, um, and you think you think, I mean, Tanali and Tony are in the elite tier of football payment. So you're like. Why would you risk any of this for the for the for the minuscule comparative minuscule returns you'll get for betting on football, which is totally illegal? And the reason players can't do it is that the integrity of the game has to be protected. And even if they aren't um, in their own games uh, playing to create some kind of a, a betting advantage for someone or some themselves, even if they're not doing that, it's the it's the appearance of impropriety that is a huge problem. So football is right to protect itself against that. So I I, I always think of Michael Cally, sweet um, those sentiments. You know, it's different if you're playing for Saint Mirren. It's different even if you're playing for Wrexham or or South End, like where you're on minimum wage, fifty grand a year or something like that. The advantages are there for you and that's where we've seen it mostly playing for ac milan makes absolutely no sense now the other side and the side that i i too slowly pivot towards and maybe it's a side i need to take into consideration much quicker is what paul merson tweeted uh today i just want to wish sandro tonali all the best from this horrible addiction and hope FIFA and everyone else goes easy. And to understand this is an illness and to stop throwing out big bans, and to help people get help. I understand if someone is playing in a game and is betting on the other team, then a ban should be imposed, but people need help. I have had people say to me, have some willpower. And I say, next time you have, uh, next time you have the S's stop it with willpower by banning people, stop people asking for help. Please show some understanding. Now, um, not the best word to tweet by Merce there but you get the sentiment from it and he did a documentary with the bbc last year just about how how vicious the addiction of gambling is and when you think about it this can be one of the possibilities here like the buzz the adrenaline the way gambling like other things uh, changes your brain waves changes your brain patterns um so in Merson's documentary, something really interesting was done. So they put up, uh, they they attached a brain scan to a real time brain scan to uh, Merson's brain to his head, and they tracked him and they showed him a number of images. So so they show him like a beautiful uh, ice cream sundae, a bur- a beautiful succulent hamburger. They'd show him a beautiful girl, and then they'd show him uh, cards, hash, roulette wheel, and so they tracked his his brain waves. And Merson's brain waves—the area of the brain that shows excitement or 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 um, uh, interest, huge interest—was just like jumping way beyond the other things that men of his age might be interested in as well. Just completely, just buzzing, going. Um, and, and Marson has struggled all his life in his football life and afterwards to beat this addiction so it's very very strong that to me can be the um, it can be the only real factor to me because it's, it can't be mon- monetary I'm sure Sandra Tanali as a younger player and a player reaching his peak and prime he doesn't want to torpedo his career like he can't be doing this for just the heck of it he's doing it for the buzz and the adrenaline and and maybe maybe this is something football needs to think about more i don't know what you think situations like this is the
2: greatest evidence we have for just how addictive this is okay because because you're right there's no logical or rational reason why he would be risking his entire career for money that like you said will will likely pale in comparison to what he's going to earn over the course of being a professional football football yeah. player at high pro, really high profile clubs there's no logic to it and so like that's a telltale sign of addictive behavior like lot you you know what you're doing is wrong but there's an addictive property to it that you can't stop yourself from doing it and I, so i believe i come down on that too now it's hard for me to say there should be no ban for it. Um, I do think that we do have to exhibit a, a degree of sympathy. I, I'm not saying, like, when he comes back, I wouldn't vilify him. I, I If I were a fan, I would not. I, I'd put an arm around him before I would boo him mercilessly for yeah. what he's done. Put it that way. But you're right, though. The sport, If, if is there anything more sacred than a football match and, and it, it, the honesty of it? And like so, so unfortunately, like I feel bad because I, you know, he's, he's going to have to pay for this. Um, And I believe that it's like, like I said, I believe that it is an addiction, that it's not just something that he's like, oh, whatever. I'm a footballer. I can do whatever I want. Like no one, you know, I'm not going to get, I don't think it's, it's not that. So I do feel bad, but I don't think, I, I don't think the guys can be allowed to just do this without punishment. Because it's it's the most sacred thing there is in this sport is the honesty of what you're watching that it's not compromised in any way, uh, and the fact that he's betting on his own team, I mean he's doing that because like it's not just a coincidence, he's doing that because it probably he has some kind of information on on who knows what they it would give him a better chance of winning. Um, so, but yes, I I firmly believe in the addictive nature of this. And I I choose in a situation like this, I choose to exhibit uh, sympathy rather than to just come down on him. Um, But doesn't mean that there shouldn't be punishment for it, unfortunately. And he's owned up to it. I mean, there's no denials here. This is I'm reading from The Guardian. Uh, Tenali's agent, Giuseppe Riso, has said his client has a gambling problem and faces, quote, the biggest challenge of a hitherto gilded career. Quote, Sandro is shocked, Riso said. He knows he has made a mistake. I hope this experience will help save his life and also the life of others with the same addictions. I mean, there's no denial here. He got caught red-handed. He's copped to all of it. And now he's going to take his punishment that he knows is coming. And it's, I mean, it's... It's a big deal for for the club, for his country, but certainly for him, he's got a he's going to have to battle this, and that's that's not an easy thing. It's not an easy fight because it's everywhere. I mean, it's it's look, it's on his jersey of his team, like, you know. So, well, that's the
1: other side. Um, I I don't necessarily necessarily think there's a correlation between I see gambling advertising everywhere, ergo, I'm uh, more likely as a footballer to gamble. Maybe there is actually. We we all know that smoking advertising is now all but banned. Although weirdly, they still have smoking cigarette advert um, advertisements in Sports Illustrated. That's mad, really? they anyway, do. Yeah,
2: they do. I don't think I've picked up like a a a, a Sports Illustrated magazine, like the physical thing. Like I, you're holding one right now.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty. Is sure that from this I'm, week? This is June 2023. Sauce Gardner on the front page. And I know I won't have to go too far to get to a cigarette av- uh, advertisement. So, yeah, actually, uh, maybe gambling, maybe football having gambling a- uh, advertisements everywhere is uh, is not a good idea. And I mean, also, it's possible football... that, that
2: in these guys' minds, it, it does normalize it in some way. But yes. but the, even that, though, like I don't want to entirely let them off the hook for that. Just no, I don't like, either. Because it 17. is a rule it is a like you everyone knows this there's no secrets here um whether or not it's been you know fan culture is, is entrenched
1: yeah look at that sports what is that Page page 17 lucky strike stay original cigarettes interesting yep yeah
2: so um so yeah sandra Tanali uh still might play this weekend but i would think that um a ruling is going to come down very soon on this and it's going to it's going to be a while before we see him again. Probably, a yeah. Year. It's going
1: to be a year, a year at least. Yeah. And that's being that's on the generous.
2: Unbelievable! Wow. Uh, let's see. We continue now, JJ. Let's go to uh, some Euro qualifying. England defeat Tanali's Italy, and they qualify for Euro twenty four. Um, really a, a formality. Uh, England are are great, and they're always great in qualifying. That we know. Um good game england played really well kane with a really nice goal in this one um and uh and like i said england are through
1: and the, the it, funny thing sorry just a quick one the funny yeah. thing about the kane, the Kane goal was it it, it build up play it's a uh, pickford passes the ball to great and and to say he passes it to him he absolutely bloody rockets the ball it's like at the most awkward height, and you can know in his mind because if you've ever played, when someone does that, some it's something to you as you're receiving the ball, you're in a panic state, and you're like, Oh, for f- what are you? Oh, my god, what are you doing? But he controls it, plays it down, booms it, clears it out, and the next thing, um, Harry Kane just holds off in an Italian defender like he is but a, a stable boy and runs in on goal and finishes brilliantly. I was, it was a good game, it was entertaining stuff,
2: yeah uh and so england go on they win it they're in euros and so this brings me to what i referenced earlier mark uh mark ogden has this piece on espnfc where he says the following jj and mm-hmm. i want your thoughts on this he says england are the team to beat at next summer's european championship there are no more excuses or mitigating factors for coach gareth southgate and his squad to fall
1: short again do you agree with that i i think i think um Far be it for me to be the purveyor of of pre-tournament English arrogance, but I, I see a lot of merit in what he's saying. I, I'm almost there, except I think France are yeah. so good and so potent, and I still think they're a better squad pound for pound than England. But I, I agree, the excuses aren't there anymore. You know, I mean, uh, England have been to... They've been to European Championship final already. I think Italy... I mean, Italy may not make qualify. They may end up in a in a playoff scenario. Italy are champions and they're fatally flawed. Uh, we don't know where Portugal are and we don't quite know if Roberto Martinez is capable of taking a team right to the very end to fulfillment, as they say. Um, <laughs> Spain, uh, I mean, Spain, we, we still have the same kind of concerns as we always have with Spain. I um, think they're very good. I think they're very good too, so I wouldn't write them out of it. Um, Germany are in a period of flux. We wonder if if Nagel's man and his uh, amazing Technicolor shacket can inspire them so i mean if you're if you're, right now, as we sit here um in October of the year before the european championships uh I will go almost all the way with what mark Ogden is saying almost. i
2: think the, I think France would be my they're they're in the the top tier, maybe by themselves. I, I view them on that level right now, but England are not far off. So, like, can I say they're the team to beat when I when I believe there is a team better than them? It's not entire. Like, if England get to the final and they're facing France, I'm not going to pick England to win. Um, so, like, I don't know that I can necessarily factually call them the team to beat. But I mean. Like He goes on to write Jude Bellingham, Harry Kane, Bukayo Saka, John Stones, Kyle Walker, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Declan Rice, and Marcus Rashford are players who would walk into any national team in Europe. England have them all either in their prime or approaching it as they prepare for the Euro 2024 campaign in Germany. I mean, well, in, in Declan
1: Rice's case, he, he's walked into two oh, of, of the teams in Europe. I wasn't aware of that. Go
2: on. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I think, I, think so, but... I do think Bellingham kind of almost changes the way I view them. Like, I they were already
1: great. They were always an X factor. He is an X factor but... in that midfield. As long as as as, as Southgate can kind of get over his obsession with Jordan Henderson and the like. Um. Oh yeah. Well, let's should we go to that? So
2: Jordan Henderson got booed by England fans. Yes. Um, not a surprise, given everything that's happened. Uh, over the last few months, with him going to Saudi Arabia and the way right. that, that has has really bothered a lot of English fans that believed in in some of the beliefs that they thought Jordan Henderson carried with him about LGBT, LGBTQ plus people, um, and those now look compromised. Uh, so he was booed, and Harry Maguire then went on to say, "This proper England fans don't boo players," said Maguire don't boo players who dedicate their life to play and do everything they can to make this country have good memories and have special moments for them and their families. Uh, he continued. He said, uh, then uh, Henderson received, that was in their first game during this window. Then the second one against Italy, Henderson received a slightly warmer reception when he came off the bench in the 70th minute against Italy. McGuire said, quote, you heard when he came on the cheers and a few jeers, but they aren't England fans said Maguire.
1: Oh, okay. Harry. Wow. Well, Harry should be just thankful that someone's getting booed and it's not him. I mean, this is the man who was booed by Manchester United fans at a friendly in Dublin by his own fans in a preseason friendly. And I think the treatment of Maguire has been kind of unprecedented. Like, I've never seen it so consistently from across so many quarters.
2: Yeah. So when you when you hear these comments, you almost want to say to him, like, this isn't about Jordan Henderson, is it?
1: No, it's not. <laughs> These comments
2: are coming from a much more personal place, I
1: think. Yeah, And also, he. Jesus, was he born? Was he just born like in the. Was he was was Harry Maguire born in Russia in 2018? Like the history of England fans is booing their own players. What the on mass? Like, what are you talking about? I remember them nil nil in Andorra under Steve McLaren in the first half. And they were booed off the field by the traveling sport. Like, are you mental? English fans have always done this forever, even with really good teams. Bobby Robson's team, they were they were booed mercilessly until they started being good. Um, now the re- the reasons for
2: Henderson getting booed, though, it's it's different and it's nuanced in a way that is not. Yes. It, it's hard to compare it. You know, it's not Her- Harry Maguire got booed by Manchester
1: United fans because he's playing poorly. This is something far different than that. More- yes, they think he's a fraud. They think he's, he's not real and not sincere. And, and, um, and they're booing him for it. And they have a right to do that. As long as, what do we always say about any kind of verbals? As long as it's not attacking someone's family, racial, based on your sexual orientation, or, or, or anything like that, or not a, a threat of death like supporters are allowed to voice their opinions on things. Yeah. Henderson Henderson really does like for a guy that 900 word piece that he wrote in the uh program, the match program for Liverpool in like 2020 or 2021 saying how he just can't get his, his head around people who are prejudiced against gay, bi, trans the whole rainbow like, for a guy who can't get his head around that, now he can't get his head around, like, being booed for... Like, I honestly think he thought he'd go to Saudi Arabia and he'd ride this one out. Well, that was a miscalculation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I, I An ex-Liverpool player... Uh, there's very few ex-Liverpool players. Or maybe there's many, but he's just the one I think of. An ex-Liverpool captain. I cannot think of of a, of such a rapid fall from from people's hearts. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see. We go from Euro qualifying JJ to World Cup qualifying, which incredibly is is well underway in Conmebol. Uh Uruguay defeating Brazil two nil, but that is hardly
1: the story. Well, and... can I just interrupt oh. you there? One second. Let's get the football out of the way quickly. Darwin Nunez. Uh, the first goal he scores is a header, and it's a brilliant header. But it's off a cross that he has to stoop down to head. It's like any, any other striker is going to try and side for that in. But he heads it, and it's a bullet header. It's a great goal. And then when he sets up for De Cruz's goal, he's been tackled by two Brazilian players on the end line, he's falling over and he still manages to get across. in. like, he just bumbles his way through and throws a leg at it. He's not a player that makes sense to me. The second point, ball have excellent 4K highlights on YouTube of this game. 10 minutes long. It's absolutely glorious. And there's no commentary. So you can hear every kick of the ball, every shout, every roar from the crowd. Absolutely wonderful stuff. Andrew, continue. What were you going to say? I was going to say that that
2: is hardly the story, because during this game, Neymar was stretchered off in tears, and we find out a day later that he has torn his ACL and his meniscus. It is, from a recovery perspective, it varies, but six months to a year, wow, wow. I don't know what this means for the future of his career but I do know this now he's 31 he's not an old man um but boy I mean we're talking about the mileage on Michael Bradley Ooh. I mean Neymar's even though he's 5 years younger than Bradley I mean think of think of injuries that he's dealt with the broken back from the world cup back in 2014 multiple serious ankle injuries yeah. now this a, a catastrophic knee injury I mean Look, I I, I can't predict the future, and I hope that he comes back and and it's like no time has passed. But, J.J., I think you'd be foolish to say that we have seen the best of Neymar, that whatever is to come, we probably, on a consistent basis, we probably aren't going to get from Neymar ever again what we've gotten up to this point in his career.
1: Uh, I would agree with you. He has an atrocious amount of games up as a footballer. Um. Just, just a you know a mammoth amount. Um, yeah, this is very bad, Andrew. This is very, very bad. And, um, he actually tore his cruciate the same way I tore my, uh, my second cruciate, my left cruciate. Um, going in for the tackle, he plants awkwardly in the ground, and immediately he goes to his his knee. And what happens when when you tear your cruciate, um. It's searing pain for like 30 to 45 seconds. Absolutely searing. And you don't know what you're like in a lot of agony and you're confused. And then it, your knee just starts to swell up. Um, Your hamstring. If you see where Neymar's hand is, it's behind his hamstring because the hamstring contracts as well. At the same time, I just felt so bad for the guy just on a human level, just so terrible. And you're right. How does he come back from this?
2: I mean, he, and he he will
1: like he absolutely he'll will aim to be back for Copa America, right? Yeah, I would think so. I would think that is that, and and the timeline just about just about works. I mean, usually it used to be a year, um, but now top athletes with top trainers uh, and and the ability they can get back in six months. It's so going to be close. It is going to be close, and then there's the question he's not exactly been the most diligent trainer over the last few years. That would, that would concern you. How is he going to approach his rehab? Because at 31, he has no margin for error in terms of getting this right. Yeah. Uh,
2: and you do feel sick for him because boy, I mean, and we, we actually talked about this not long ago, the, the catalog of big moments that injury has caused him to miss, whether it be, like we said, in the world cup in Brazil, various um, Champions League knockout stage fixtures and now I mean he's he's only just started We whatever we think of his move to Saudi Arabia for him and for the people of Saudi Arabia it's a big deal what was it, 129 million um, so like he's one of the faces of that league uh, it's obviously big for Al Halal and their fans that he's out but obviously I mean from our perspective we're thinking much more about what this means for Brazil and Yeah, I would say, I mean, I think you're looking at a line of demarcation moment right now. I think this is that big. I'm not saying he, if he's healthy, even if it's close, if he's healthy, he'll be, he'll play for Brazil. He'll be on that Copa America roster next round, you know, World Cup qualifying. He'll be back into the fold. But from the way I look at it, we're in an era of Neymar from like, you know, 20, a little out 2010 around there up to now, if you think of Brazil. He's, he is the face of Brazilian soccer, for better or worse. They've underachieved a lot during that time, but he has been a superstar. He's been the face of that team. This is his era from a Brazilian perspective. I think this moment for me, there's pre-this injury, and then I think now this has happened, and now I think moving forward, it's Vinicius's team. I think we're now. This is the moment now where we enter the Brazilian era of Vinicius. I think this, this is, is where the, the, the passing of the baton. I think the baton is handed off to Vinicius now. It's it's your team now. This is your the responsibility of, of Brazilian soccer. It's not. It's not obviously not just on you. There are superstars all over the, at every position, but you are now the
1: face of this team. Here you go. Can we um, can we talk about Al Hilal, his club in Saudi Arabia? Can we talk about their tweet? That was very unusual. So for people who haven't seen it, let me deal with the, the, the uh, text part first. So from their official account, the medical tests, Neymar, block capitals with the quotation marks around Neymar, very strange, underwent, confirmed the ACL uh, ACL and meniscus tear injury in his knee. He will be going through surgery and then a treatment program that will be determined later, return stronger at Neymar Jr., Hashtag Al-Hala. Okay, fair enough. That's, it's a bit odd, but not as weird as the graphic they had knocked up. with The, the words return stronger over a grayed-out graphic of him with his hands over his head. And below that, the picture of him actually clutching the back of his hamstring and his knee. And in this moment of absolute sheer pain and confusion, his hands stretched out and a face in absolute agony. And of course, the club sponsors right underneath that again. Andrew, this is about as tasteless a graphic, a piece of social media as I've ever seen. The choice of photo is so
2: weird and conveys the kind of the opposite message of what I think they're trying to convey. Like, it turns stronger.
1: As yes. you flail a ground in the ground in absolute agony. Right. Like the picture should be him
2: celebrating after a goal, you know, like, or just like some moment of like. Or awe. holding
1: a fist to a camera yeah. in, a, yeah. in a moment of determination. Something. Not that.
2: Yeah. Not capturing, that. capturing the photo of the moment his ACL is, has just torn and he's in tears. No. I, I, I don't know what they're going for here. They but, missed the mark. I, I know
1: that. And I know Neymar, I know Neymar won't love it because um, that kind of moment is such an intensely personal thing to happen. Now, please, I want everyone, you know, the way I often free associate, my mind reminds me of other things. Please don't get me wrong here, guys. I'm not saying this is the same thing, but it's the same kind of like almost misjudgment. I mean, what I'm about to tell you about is way worse. Um, Back in the early 90s, the United Colors of Benetton had these like utterly controversial adverts that made no sense to what United Colors of Benetton were about or what they did. But they were very, very attention grabbing and so much so that we we kind of studied them in media studies. And one of them was of a man dying of AIDS in a bed with his family around him. And that was the advert. And it was just so completely controversial. Uh, The family actually were okay about it. They said it promotes, you know, awareness about AIDS at a time when people didn't want to talk about it, etc. But it's such a personal moment. That person is like dying right there. And I know it's not the same, but that's where my mind threw me straight away in terms of the misjudgment of somebody in agony, in pain. And to just put that out there, like. What was the instruction that was given to the social media team here? Like, what was the what? Was, show him at his at his worst moment at his his absolute nadir. Show him. Show show that. Just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was weird. It's weird. And, and my reference was weird, too. I accept that. But it's just where it went. What That's is Benetton? What is that? united colors of benetton yeah should i they were it, like uh, my, a fashion house okay um and they had they had like it wasn't just that ad they had like a, um they had a ton of controversial adverts at the time um
2: did i just they, am i asking a question that i should know or, I, or am i speaking for the the people here who may not am i exposing myself as an ignorant fool no or? i don't think so so okay. so uh well, so, You said it um, so casually that i I was almost afraid to ask
1: well, it's just a lot of the things that are in my brain are um i it's just they they rattle around so much I assume everybody knows about them um, duke university um this is a piece uh uh from uh their article on it uh many of their most controversial images featured no Benetton clothing instead they depicted a wide a wide range of social and political phenomena from soldiers in the Bosnian war. A baby being born with its umbilical cord attached, hmm. a nun and a priest kissing, and then the the man dying of AIDS. What? Like, again, you know, here's our ad campaign. Any closing? It? No. Here's a baby being born. What? Yeah. Anyway.
2: Yeah. Deeply personal moments. Like if this happened to me, I I think someone like just would burst into the bathroom as I'm as I'm going to the
1: bathroom. <laughs> And underneath united colors and benetton
2: <laughs>
1: yeah that's <laughs> very odd really yeah. strange
2: well i hope he gets well soon because he's such a great player um and he's i mean lord knows look for whatever you think of of neymar i know he splits opinion but he's a you he, want to see him play you want to see him play he's God has he been through it from an injury perspective over the course of his career. Uh for Copa America, I mean look his season with Al halal is is obviously irreparably damaged. Oh um, no. But but for Copa America, you know, you you want to, you'd like to see him playing. I mean it, yeah. it will him being out there makes that tournament a little bit more fun. Um so I hope he I hope he gets well. Not just for for that, for my selfish reasons of wanting to watch him play, but for him because it's he's had a, he's have a, had a lot of these, and I'm sure mentally it's it's not easy, uh, let alone physically. Um, also in CONMEBOL qualifying, JJ um, Argentina two 0 over Peru. Lionel Messi, I I mean there there's no reason for more superlatives. So I'll just list the the stats here: 31 goals now in World Cup qualifying after he added two more. In this one, both of the goals that those 31 goals are now a CONMEBOL record for most goals in World Cup qualifying. And here is your bonkers, messy stat of the day. We could probably have one of these for every single day of the year if we wanted to. But uh, who scored.com posted this. JJ, Lionel Messi has created at least 60 more big chances than any other player in La Liga since the start of the 2016-17 season.
1: He left the league in 2021. Amazing. <laughs> you could almost say, Andrew, that we're dealing with one of the best players ever, if not the best ever. Perhaps.
2: Perhaps you could. The first, I've heard goal, the first goal that he scored in this one against Peru, it, it happened so quickly. I had to watch it like three times to see what it was that he did on it. Like the snap of how of the velocity that he got on the ball um, and like how it was placed, how quickly like there's no his leg doesn't go back. It's just like it's like a quick snap, and the ball f- explodes off his foot. I don't know. He's just uh, whatever. Like what? Like I can say something now that's going to add to the way people think. Of it. He's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. Yeah, you can't. I don't know how he does it. I I hope he never retires. He's I I I, I love this man, and I just want to watch him forever. Does that work? Is that that's enough? That's
1: fine, Andrew. I'm sure he's. Your wish for him never to retire. That's something his kids and wife are absolutely delighted about. Uh, I just love watching him play. God, he's
2: such a, just what a delight. Um, Finally, JJ, it is nearly upon us. MLS decision day. Uh, It is coming up this weekend. Playoffs, many playoff spots still on the line. Um, I don't know if you have particular games or things in general that you're keeping an eye out for i i've kind of i've earmarked a couple for myself um
1: no no just in general i want to see the chaos ensue as uh the scramble happens for for those last couple of spots well yes that is that is that's what all i want that's what happens But i, want, I want it to be chaotic and i want it to for for people to be comfortable and knowing that they're making the playoffs before realizing that oh no Oh no, we're going out. That's what I want.
2: Yeah. Uh by the way, I should say Charlotte uh were in action tonight.
1: They were uh two-two. and
2: yeah, against Inter Miami, they settled for a 2-2 draw. They dropped two valuable points. So their um their playoff destinies will be decided also on decision day. Um a couple of the things that I'm looking out for NYCFC hosting Chicago Fire. I mean sort of a pseudo playoff game. Although now results elsewhere will still need to go a certain way for the winner of this to get in. But I mean, this is, this is kind of one of those decision day, six pointers that could go a long way in determining uh, who's going to get in and who will not get in. Um, And so, you know, NYCFC in general, like, boy, they won this whole thing two years ago. And it's, it can be a, a quick decline when you start, you know, some of the players that they've lost, obviously Tati Castellanos, their manager, um, you know, these, these things add up, they're battling, they're doing the best they can in, in what has been a very average season for them.
1: Yeah. Um, This is the least we've talked about them um, or the least buzz about them in, in, in such a long time. I feel like even leading up to winning the, the tournament two years ago, at least people were talking about how, you know, they're knocking on the door or they're, they have to, you know, struggling in the playoffs but they're there or thereabouts and this is the first season where they're nowhere
2: yeah um but we'll see they're not nowhere yet could still be in the playoffs and then the other one i I mentioned it the other day but uh i'll reiterate it now boy there's just an awful lot of pressure on fc dallas um after they blew a golden opportunity last weekend against a really bad colorado rapids team they could have sealed the deal there they didn't and so now it's going to all come down to this. They got to go on the road, which uh I believe they've only won 3 times on the road all season. They got to go to the Galaxy and they got to win. Now they should they? Yeah, they probably should. Galaxy are playing for nothing. They're not good. Um but it's also not but they've made it difficult for themselves. Um and if they lose, look out all of a sudden for the Minnesota United FC Sporting Kansas City match. The winner of that could leap them. Um we also have to see obviously what happens with San Jose. So the Western Conference, I mean, it's chaos. There's the permutations. There's still so many different ways that this could go. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, Can I ask you a question, Andrew? Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Do you feel, um, and again, I know we have a lot of Minnesota United fans uh, out there. Do you think that it was abominable? Is abominable too strong? I don't know. What are you going to say? The way Adrian Heath was treated. This close to the end of the season, for him to be relieved of of his duties, um, with still things to play for, a potential playoff spot, you know, for him for him to be sacked, it just it just didn't seem right. I don't yeah, know. Uh,
2: I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on there behind the scenes necessarily that could have precipitated it because you're right on the surface to to fire the guy in October um a manager who's meant so much to that club um yeah i, I don't know i it, maybe there's more to it than meets the eye
1: um don't know well, i mean i mean he made them a good a very good team and then just to just to dis- dispense with him like literally uh i mean at this, i mean week before last i don't i don't know
2: yeah i mean they cleaned house mark watson the technical director also was let go yeah Uh, maybe they just felt it was a season of gross underachievement but there was still a a tiny bit of time for them to salvage it and get in the playoffs and they thought this maybe i don't know i don't know i don't want to speculate i don't i was going to say maybe players turned on him and they, they needed something to kind of boost enthusiasm in there for the final couple weeks but i don't know that might be grossly unfair to suggest, I, I don't, I really don't know. I don't
1: know. Okay. Sometimes when look, sometimes when you don't know, you just got to say, Hey, I don't know. Well, we don't know what's going on, but I just felt it was. I've, I've, have, I have a fondness for him. That's it. well Where does that come from? What is that? Because I think he did a good job there. And I also remember him as an ex Evertonian. So, okay. fondness. Right.
2: there you go. Uh, so decision day, yes, yeah, Saturday. Uh, the six o'clock and nine o'clock time slots. It'll be chaos. It always is. Should be fun. And then we're, we're finally in it finally into the post season, uh, which obviously will also be a lot of fun. Um, JJ, I got, I got nothing else. I'm I spent. got one
1: more thing, but be- I'm spent. But before we get out, I, I bristled, bristled in our conversation on the last pod where I told you I was broken about Ireland, and then I told you how highly they were ranked in the early to mid 90s. And yeah, you were said like, they were huh. third in the world. I got that wrong, but I, I really wasn't <laughs> far off. Um, so the guys over at All Irish Sport, give them a follow on Instagram. Great bunch of lads. Um, they did the FIFA rankings for Ireland uh, all through the years from 92 onwards. In 1992, Ireland were ranked sixth in the world. Okay. 1993, 10th, 94, 9th. Um, by 1995, within a year, they'd slipped to 28th. So it makes you wonder about the FIFA rankings. Um, but sixth in the world in 1992. Okay. So you did lie, though, to try to enhance your point. No, but your your response is what irritated me, Like as if that's uh, that couldn't be possible. And, and in
2: fact, it wasn't. I was right. You lied to us.
1: What if I had said sixth? You would have given the same smug. I was like,
2: no, I could see that.
1: I, you're such a liar
2: well it takes one to know just, one
1: sometimes i just want to crack you in the jaw
2: now bring it on then
1: no, drive up here and do it no i won't do that because you're in full philly uh mode
2: that's right i'm all i'm all jacked up i had the night off tonight could catch my breath and we're back at it again tomorrow um hey this was fun like i said decision day six o'clock and 9 o'clock on Saturday. So enjoy that, everybody. All the domestic action returns this weekend. Lots of uh, lots of Premier League back in action.
1: Uh, oh, the, the Merseyside Derby. Oh, my fondness for Adrian Heath is going to shrink. I can't wait for it. Can't wait for it. There's such a great introduction. 7.30 in the Monroe with a beer. The Merseyside Derby being belligerent, but belligerent within confines of a safe space nice yeah you got
2: uh manchester city and brighton which should be a lot of fun chelsea and arsenal uh which is always a great one that'll be fun so uh yeah a lot a lot going on for you on your soccer weekend should be should be a blast this was a blast as well jj hey to you i say
1: check you later phone boy
2: i'll see you take care you've been listening to the caught offside soccer podcast